In the name of God, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the Feast of Pentecost. This is one of the great feasts of the Christian year. It's based on the feasts of one of the feasts of the Old Covenant, of the Old Testament. This is the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The old or the traditional language is the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not that the Old Testament is bad, it's but that the fulfillment and the perfection of the Old Testament is here with the New Testament. The perfection and fulfillment of the Old Covenant is here with the New Covenant. And God gave the people of Israel three liturgies, three festivals to celebrate. The first one was Pasach. That's Passover. This is the feast that celebrates the liberation of the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt into freedom. God makes a way out of no way. He opens up the Red Sea before them. He delivers them from the hand of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's chariots. He makes a way out of no way, and he brings them out of slavery into freedom, and he brings them out of death into life. And then what happens next? Well, God makes the world in seven days, and on the seventh day we rest, and the deliverance of the people from their slavery in Egypt and from their regime of death in Egypt is such a great thing that, there's, that there is, a, there is, a, there's a, a, a whole Sabbath of Sabbaths and seven times a Sabbath, a Sabbath of Sabbaths. So uh, seven weeks of Sabbath days. So that's 49. And on the next day, Moses goes up on the mountain, 50. Now, Pentecost is what the Greek-speaking Jews called this, this second feast, this feast of Moses going up on the mountain and receiving the word of God on behalf of the people. Sevot. There's a third feast, Sukkoth, the feast of... So, Saviot is the feast of weeks, the, 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 the seven weeks plus um, one day, between Passover and the giving of the law. And then Succoth is the Feast of Tabernacles where they remember that after they were given this new way of life. We say 10 commandments, it's the 10 words of life. Live this way and never be slaves again. And they have to learn about this. And uh, they, have, they wander in the desert. They, be, they have to learn how to trust God. And they, it takes them a generation to do that. And they wander in the desert and they have the Feast of Tabernacles to remember they're wandering in the desert. Now, the way that liturgy works in the Old Testament is the same way that it works in the New Testament. The way that it works in the Old Covenant is the same way that it works in the New Covenant, which is that the liturgy brings the past into the present in such a way that it's a living reality and that it opens up a new future. So what happened on the first Pentecost? on the first Saviot. Moses goes up upon the mountain and he receives the word of God and he brings the word of God to the people. And when they hear the word of God, they become a people. The psalmist says, you were no people, but I made you into a people. 
the people that were rescued from slavery, some of them were after the flesh, genetically the descendants of Abraham, some of them were not. Some of them were simply people of Egypt who threw in their lot with the people of Israel and took the God of Israel to be their God. And what does it mean to be God's people? What does it mean to be his chosen people? God has a plan of salvation to make a people for himself, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. And through that people, and by the way that they live towards God and the way they live towards each other, that people are going to be his witnesses and they're going to be his holy instrument through which he wins all of his wayward children home. So how do you get to be part of that people? Is it a genetic inheritance? Is it a matter of tracing your bloodline back to Abraham? It never was. You were no people, but I made you a people. How did God make them a people? He made them a people by giving them his word. And it's the hearing and receiving of the word that makes Israel a people, a nation. God's chosen people, God's chosen nation, a kingdom of priests. Now, when they get to the promised land, after, after all that time, when they get to the promised land, as part of the giving of the law, they're commanded that when they get to the promised land, the first fruit of the harvest that they have in the promised land will be offered, and they'll keep this feast of Pentecost, of Savioth. And what is going on there is that they're remembering how God saved them, how God called them to himself, how God gave them a holy and righteous way of life. He gave them a new human way of living, how he made them who were not related to each other, related to each other and into a true community built around hearing and receiving the word of God. And then they come into the promised land which God has promised them is a land flowing with milk and honey, and there he will establish them as a great people, and there he will use them as a light to the nations to draw all of his wayward children home. And the first fruits represent the first taste of all of the promises of God coming true. That's the first Pentecost. Now, Jesus is the new Moses. He is our Passover. In and through his sacrifice of love on the cross, God has made a way out of no way. And he's brought up out of the grave the new human life that is in the crucified and risen Lord, truly the only begotten Son of God, but also the Son of Mary. Very God of very God, but very man of very man. And this new human life, God raises, the Father raises the Son who is this new human life in person up out of the grave and he vanquishes all of the enemies of our human nature. And he ascends into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God and he tells us why he ascends. He says, it's better for you that I go because when, when, when I ascend, then the Holy Spirit descends. And he ascends so that he can fill all things. And he fills all things by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, on the Feast of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends upon the gathered disciples because Christ has been glorified, he's completed and perfected his work, and now, and now 
the promises of God are coming true and the first taste of it is the descent of the Spirit. It's the first harvest of the things that are to come. So what can we say about the Holy Spirit? Next week we'll talk more about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, about the, about the, holy, about the holy and Undivided Trinity. We believe that God is one God in three persons. So one of the things that we want to say about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is not just some impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is one of the persons of the Trinity. What makes a person a person? Relationships make a person a person. The Father is the Father because he's always going out of himself in love. He's always speaking this eternal word of love. And the, the blessing and the unction of the Father rests upon the Son. Who, and the blessing and unction of the Father is just so the Holy Spirit. And the praise and worship and spirit of filiation that rises from the Son to the Father is just so the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the bond of love between the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is the, the love of God in person. Jesus Christ is the, is the, is the eternal word that is spoken, but what is the blessing of this word? What is the unction of this word? What is the healing of this word? What is the perfecting of this word? It's just so the Holy Spirit. A few vignettes of the Holy Spirit in the, in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is in the beginning. How, how, are, how is everything created? The Father speaks. And through his word, everything was made. And was nothing that was, was made was not made through him. Right? The word, the eternally begotten word of God's love. God makes through speaking a word of love. And then the Holy Spirit broods over the creation. Broods over this cosmos that the word is speaking into being. And, and, and here's the word that the theologians use, and the Spirit fructifies, makes fruitful what the word has pronounced. Now, the place where this is really clear in the Bible is when the Holy Spirit visits Mary. Gabriel appears to Mary. And according to the promises of the prophets of Israel, God is going to send his Messiah, his anointed one, anointed, right? the one on, upon whom the Holy Spirit is poured out, the one who has the Holy Spirit in its fullness. And when that one comes, all of the enemies of our human nature will be vanquished. Even death itself will be vanquished. And we will be reconciled to God and we'll be reconciled to each other. And the angel Gabriel says, you're going to bear the Savior. How will it be? The Holy Spirit broods over Mary and fructifies the Word of God in her womb. This is what happens to us in our baptism. The saving Word of God is spoken over us. And in baptism, the Holy Spirit descends upon us and makes fruitful 
Now, this is not an automatic process. It has to be surrendered to. It has to be received. It has to be grasped in faith. And so Mary says, be it unto me according to thy will. Another place where we find the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is in the judges of Israel. They have those ten words of life. And the promise is you live this way and it will go well with you. You don't live this way and your enemies will overwhelm you and defeat you and you'll be in a, a very bad situation. And they, they, they forget the words of life. They go after the gods in the land. Things go bad with them. And then I, I sympathize with this greatly. When they're in trouble, they pray. And God sends them a judge. It's not quite the judge with the black robe that we would, we would imagine, but the, the judge is the word for the leader because the, the judge is the one who restores the right order in the community, the right order between people and the right order between people and God. And the Holy Spirit comes upon the judge. Samson, the Holy Spirit descends on him, right? You maybe remember Gideon. You maybe remember there was a judge, Deborah, right? And the, and the Spirit descends on these persons to whom God gives a saving task, but it's it's temporary, you know, uh, in some way. It's not the fullness. Finally, the prophet Joel says, look, the day is coming when God will send a judge. God will send a Messiah. And all things will be renewed. And all the promises of God will come true. And the, the fructifying perfecting, completing, healing work of God's Spirit will be at work in his people. Ezekiel says, on that day, the Lord will take away our hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh, hearts that are on fire with the love of God and on fire with love for each other. One of the other things that happens to them when they forget to walk in the ways of God and they, they get overtaken by their enemies is they're overtaken by people and they can't understand them and they can't understand the speech of the uh, people who conquer them and the people who conquer them cannot understand their speech. This goes back to the story of the Tower of Babel, which is the story about how ethnic and race hatred come into the world by means of human pride and sin. So now we have this picture of Pentecost. The first fruits of the promise of God are coming true. The promise of Joel is coming true. The spirit is being poured out, not on this person, not on this judge or that champion, but the spirit is being poured out on all of us. Because right? they're, they're, they're a preview of what happens in and through the preaching of the gospel, and in and through the gift of baptism. The Spirit of God is being poured out like a great Niagara upon all of us. And the, 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 the curse of division and the curse of hatred is being undone and worked backwards. And the, the curse of Babel is being undone and worked backwards, and people are being able to understand each other because the Spirit is doing its fructifying work of healing the relationship between humanity and God and healing 
our broken relationship with each other. They think that they're drunk because they're so full of joy. Uh, but Peter says, no, they're not drunk. It's just the promise of Joel coming true. So what does this all mean for us? That the Lord has ascended and that the Spirit is poured out upon us and that this is the gift that is given to us in our baptism and which we reach out for in faith to say along with Mary, be it unto me according to thy will, make fruitful the gift of your son's life within me that was given me in my baptism. What does it mean for us? Well, sometimes the work of the Holy Spirit is very spectacular. The Holy Spirit can make people get up and dance with joy. Sometimes the, Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is sad because the Holy Spirit can cause us to mourn our sins, can convict us of sin, make us sad when we look within or when we look at the state of the world. The Holy Spirit makes us hungry for God. Uh, if you're watching this this morning, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You're drawn. Holy Spirit draws us. The Spirit draws us to the Father through the Son. The Spirit brings us the Father through the Son. The Spirit gathers the people of God and reconsecrates us as God's people, His instrument to bring all of His wayward children home. The Spirit uh, makes you hungry for more of God. If you read a little bit of the Bible, then the Spirit will make you hungry for more of it. If you have a little courage and do a good work in God's name, the Spirit will make you hungry to do more of that. If you pray a little bit, just take a step and pray a little bit, even for a minute or two, you'll find yourself praying more. The Spirit makes fruitful all of the promises of God and brings them to perfection and completion. And the Spirit will ultimately bring us home to the Father through the Son. And in the here and now, the great gift of the Spirit is a new heart, a new heart for God and a new heart for each other. And there's a great image of that here in this cathedral. And I want to end today by just reading to you the words of this very beautiful hymn. Come down, O love divine. It's a hymn to the Holy Spirit. Come down, O love divine. Seek thou this soul of mine and visit it with thine own ardor glowing. O comforter, draw near. Within my heart appear and kindle it, thy holy flame bestowing. And so the yearning strong with which the soul will long shall far outpass the power of human telling. For none can guess its grace till love create a place wherein the Holy Spirit makes a dwelling. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.